Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to I Don't Get It, the pop culture get off my lawn cast, your favorite podcast featuring your favorite podcast hosts, two mid-40s curmudgeons bravely and boldly staring down the impending process of their entertainment irrelevance. I am one of those said favorite co-hosts. My name is Noah Tarno. Hello. I am the founder and senior quiz master of The Big Quiz Thing. The trivia game show spectacular. With me, as always, his name is... I'm Bill Scurry, the founder and proprietor of American Caesar Enterprises, a thriving periodontal practice. Dude, I could use you. I could really use you. I have an appointment with my... <laughs> well, no, I like my periodontist. Uh, uh-huh. I was supposed to go see him next week, but I had to reschedule. Yeah, I, I, I got rough teeth and gums that's true uh, I, I, I do know that about you it's true right i inherited I, I take pretty good care of my teeth but i inherited weak gums from my father and uh so i need to get a cleaning four times a year mm-hmm. twice a year from the periodontist twice a year from the dentist and i had gum grafting surgery a couple times a few years ago but thankfully i i, I love my periodontist so screw you i don't need you so so, so i'm under the impression that you actually the actual gum tissue you say inherited from your dad he actually gave you the contents of his mouth is that not true <laughs> that is not true but when I did have gum grafting surgery, do you know what they do? Do you know where they get the gums to grow? There are many ways to do it. They can, re- they can remove flat, they can remove tissue from the roof of your mouth. Uh, there are synthetic gum products, I suppose, that are relatively new and more expensive. But I got them from a cadaver. Well, people aren't going to like willingly lend you gum. It's not like a kidney. It's not. I it, it, think right. It's, but yeah. my my point is, unlike some other grafting things, you know, they can't. Like I said, they can take it from the roof of your mouth, but it's harder. Yeah. So the the paradigm said to me, he's like, "How do you feel about that?" I'm like, "I don't care as long as they're already dead." You know. So I had to take the antibiotics and all <laughs> yeah, that. But that's yeah, usually what happens have, with a cadaver. I have a dead man's flesh in my mouth. I just watched a movie called Body Parts, by the way, which was about. Yeah. It was a death row inmate who was executed, and his arms and legs were grafted onto people who needed the transplants. Ultimately, the limbs had a memory, and they turned. That's an, but that's an old trope, isn't it? Something like that. This was a movie from 90 or 91. Uh, I did it for a Brad Dura video I'm working on. But it, it seems it seems perverse. It, it, it is. There's a little bit of that Twilight Zone kind of thing. Like for some reason, right. the, the flesh would have a legacy memory in it, even if you know, there's no right. neurological tissue. In, right. in, in your arm or your leg. And it's like, why would that poison your head with thoughts of murder? There was a song from the late 70s, a band called The Adverts, something like that, British punk band. And then a song called Gary Gilmore's Eyes. And you remember, <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know who Gary Gilmore was, yeah, it was right? Kim, was it based on Kim Wilde or no? No, that was, Betty Davis' Eyes was uh, Kim Carnes. Kim Carnes, okay. And this came before Betty Davis' ah. Eyes. And no, it has nothing to do with that. So basically it's a punk song. And the idea is the guy woke up from surgery, had eye transplants, and he had he was given Gary Gilmore's eyes. So now he has Gary Gilmore's memories. Gary Gilmore, for those of you who don't know, was a I don't think it was a serial killer. He was a real fucked up dude. He I killed his, he killed his, two people in a gas station in Salt Lake City. It was ex- yeah, execution his, executioner song was his, right was yeah right executioner song. Thank you. His brother Michael Gilmore, who's a, a music uh, journalist, I met when right? I worked for Rolling Stone, right. Uh, wrote a very affecting uh, autobiography that focused a lot on his brother. Anyway, Gary Gilmore was killed in Utah by a uh, firing squad. I believe he was the last person in the United States killed by firing squad. But he, re- he requested it, big... it. He actually asked for yes, it. Yes, yes. It was a big, big story 
uh, at the time, big news story, and he became, you know, a celebrity. Do you know our friend, Katie Venino, had an idea once. If you recall, maybe 15 years ago, there were ads on the New York City subway about, you know, uh, become an organ donor. And it talked about uh, Jerry Orbach, uh, L. El- whatever from uh, Fantastics, but probably better known from uh, Lenny Briscoe, uh, Law and yeah. Order. And it said, hey, when, when, when uh, Jerry Orbach died, he donated his eyes to science. You should donate too. And Katie came up with an idea. She wanted to do like a movie or a short film or something about uh, someone who gets Jerry Orbach's eyes, you know, whoever the recipient was of Jerry Orbach's eyes, and all of a sudden they can they have the power to solve mysteries like many books. <laughs> or they just they just keep seeing Michael Moriarty over and over again. From, yes. from Michael Moriarty and and, uh, and Jesse L. Martin, yeah. Sam anyway. Sam Sam Waterston, yeah. That'd be Sam great. Waterston, yeah, you see him. Make the deal. We're way off topic. That's speaking all right. of death speaking of death. Segway. Well, go on. Keep it's, going. It's, it's always a topic these days. So we always try to look at something that's hot and new and happening. And we are gonna look at currently the biggest music star in these United States of America, uh, who is happens to be a person of the deceased persuasion. Uh, <laughs> a dead American uh, as yeah, his racial dead, subcategories. His identity. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, his name was Gerard, maybe Jared. I saw a video where it was Gerard, J-A-R-A-D. Uh, Gerard Anthony Higgins, born uh, December 2nd, 1998, died December 8th, 2019. Barely 21 years old when he died. And he is better known to you and me in the world as Juice World. He was a rapper. Uh, Juice World Gerard Higgins grew up in the Chicago area. It sounds like it wasn't a broken home. Actually, the video I said said he went to one of the best public schools in the Chicago area, uh, but raised by a single mother. She was somewhat religious, wouldn't let him listen to hip hop. So he grew up listening to, which is funny, she was okay with him listen to really trashy uh, uh, pop music and punk music. So he grew up listening to all those old classic punk bands like Panic at the Disco and Blink-182. Classic punk bands. The, you know, the yeah, se- well, seminal you know, stuff. The, the guy was born in 98. I mean, come I on. It's like true. us, you know, most of the punk bands... Classic punk bands didn't form until after we were born. In his early teens, he became a SoundCloud. He discovered hip-hop somehow, and he became a SoundCloud rapper, that trend. And we've looked at some of those people, most recently uh, Takeshi69. And he started recording at home, just recording songs freestyling on his uh, on his cell phone and uploading it to SoundCloud. And he got noticed, and he uh, released EPs on his own, most notably in 2017, an EP titled 999. Speaking of classic punk bands, 999, great underlooked British punk band from the 70s. Uh, little by little, he got noticed. And in 2018, he signed a $3 million deal with Interscope Records, and they released his debut LP, Goodbye and Good Riddance, which included several singles, most notably Lucid Dreams, a song that currently has 1.1 billion plays on Spotify. It got him a performance on Jimmy Kimmel. Also had a big sim- uh, single, All Girls Are the Same. That was followed in 2019 by second album, Death Race for Love. Uh, shortly after that, I believe after that, he, uh, he teamed up with his hip-hop idol Future, and they did an EP. Last December, um... Uh, he died. He was very open about his drug problems. Starting in an early teenage, he got hooked on uh, abusing prescription painkillers, drinking lean, which for those of you who don't know is a hip-hop culture drug of uh, 
correct me if I'm wrong, it's mixing like cough syrup and soda. 7-Up or Sprite, yeah, that kind of thing. Do they mix in codeine with that or something? Oh, yeah, well, the the codeine is the cough syrup. It's heavily codeine-based. Right, right, of course, of course. And then, of course, he smoked weed like a chimney. He had problems, and he was very open about that in his songs, and that was a lot of what appealed to people is certainly unlike the hip-hop stereotype, (laughs) completely unlike people like Takeshi. He was very open and honest and emotional, and people saw the emo punk rock influence in that. Perspective in a way that the hip-hop stereotype certainly doesn't allow for or seem to accommodate or at least uh, have as stereotype. Uh, last December, you know, he, his first album almost hit number one. His second album debuted at number one. Uh, he had made a good amount of money and his private plane was flying home from L.A. to Chicago. And um, they were greeted at Midway Airport by federal agents because there were reports that their plane had a tremendous amount of drugs and weapons. The truth was, yes, they had quite a bit of marijuana on them, quite a bit of prescription drugs. His security guys had a few unlicensed firearms. They were arrested, later released with no charges. But in the panic of the federal agents and the dogs, Juice World ingested much or all of the prescription drugs on his person. At the airport, he went into seizures and he was taken to hospital where he died, barely 21 years old. You can ask yourself whether a white rock band with a ton of drugs that are legal in some part of the United States and somewhat legal weaponry would have a flotilla of federal gun brandishing agents to send on them angrily, but that's another story. You can also ask, why did he ingest all this stuff? Was that a stupid move on his part? Well, the guy was 21 years old, and who knows what the consequences would have been. This is a sad story. Anyway, here we are a few months later, and supposedly Juice World had 2,000 recordings in the tank and they have released a posthumous album what the hell is it called legends Legend. never die yeah, came legend out. never die legends never die ironically titled legends never die it was released july 10th it debuted at number one and currently five of the 10 songs in the top 10 on the charts are songs from that album which is a feat that has only been accomplished twice in the past it's once by the beatles and once by drake so we listen to some juice world and form some opinions bill what is your opinion of Gerard Anthony Higgins, uh, gone too soon from this cold, dark, harsh world. Like you say, it's sad because we are talking about a child, man. This guy was 21 when he died, and he only broke out when he was like 18 or 19, so it's a very small window of notoriety. Anybody dying, what is like a misadventure or a misunderstanding or whatever the fuck you'd call it, it's it, it, that's a that's a tragedy, and it's a, a wholly preventable tragedy. One would understand if you listen to the music and you like read the story of what this guy was giving you. That's also sad. It was sad when he was alive, not in the most unusual way, because there are a great many people in pop music who are exercising their demons through their art. And you can feel the struggle coming out through the words. The first one of those I remember was in back in 99 when Eminem put out his Slim Shady thing. And it was like every single song was, oh my God, I'm out of control. You know, I want, I want, I'm, you know I'm talking about killing my girlfriend and, and you know, taking all these painkillers and, you know, I'm, at, I'm unhinged. I'm out of control. I don't know what I can do. I don't know what I will do. I'm crazy and I could die. Eminem now might as well have a portfolio at H&R Block. He, he's... I'm sure at H&R yeah. Block. I'm saying he's... He's 50. He's in his 50s. He is. Yeah. I don't know what that was. That was a, that was a, a, a phase in his life. I'm sure it felt true. But the thing is, he, he got through. Eminem was genuinely a troubled dude. I, I, I tend to think that Eminem lucked out with some good advisors. But yeah, anyway, sure. Continue. But I'm saying is that he got through his 20s and 30s. He got into his 50s. He, you know, now he puts out a, you know, he's whatever. 47. He's 47. Okay, he's, he's coming up upon 50. But my point is, is that he managed to get through 
the same sort of um, moment where he was, it just looked like he was busting. It just looked like he was going to explode and drizzle all over the place as if he wouldn't, you know, like people telegraph how damaged they are and they tell you out front. I mean, Amy uh, Winehouse did this too. Oh, oh I mean, right? Is, have you seen that documentary about her? Yeah, sure. The one that Nick Broomfield did. Oh, yeah, it's no, it's horrifying. It's, it is horrible. It's like, but but some, like, there, there is a tradition in music of people like telling you, I'm out of control, I'm unhinged. Yeah. I'm on the yeah. edge, and I'm I'm self-medicating. So Juice yeah. World, yeah, and a lot of people are full of shit. And I think part of the reason people at Juice World and Eminem appeal to people is because they weren't full you of believe shit. Believe them. Once you listen to the the music, I had heard of Juice World. I want to say about a year and a half ago, obviously before he died. And it was some really glowing write up saying, "No, no, no, forget about whatever you think. We're gonna sh- we're gonna give you a guy who's doing something real." And this, like, it was almost pitched as a little bit of prog rap. And I don't know, it's not really a category, but that's how I, I know, right. But that's Dude, you got to, that's got to happen. It's, the, it's, the rapper I, who's like influenced by Yes and Emerson Lake and Palmer. I'm sure. I, I'm sure we they're just haven't there. heard. I'm sure they're I on thought, SoundCloud. Yeah. And I, I, I went from never hearing about him to hearing like the most glowing, uh, uh, you know, laurels being given. It's like, oh, I got to hear this. I went on YouTube and I listened to a bunch of songs. I'm like, oh, I don't. This sounds like trap. Whatever the difference is, I didn't really have an apparatus to be able to pick out exactly what it is. Now, for some reason, between that, you know, year and a half ago, and now listening to it earlier, maybe it's the poignance of the fact that he's gone. Maybe it's I'm listening to an elegy. I'm listening to... it. Me, Obviously, the words mean something different because he's telling you, I'm not going to live very long. You know, what was the one song? Something like two kidneys, two, a, a, ba- a bad liver and some kidney damage. He's right. talking about taking yeah. so much, so much, so much drugs and so much lean that, you know, it's like he's burning through his wick very quickly. Everything takes on a different meaning after he's dead. I've heard in the, in the past other people saying, I'm out of control. I'm self-medicating. I'm not going to live very long, mama. When you actually die, all that stuff sounds like a prophecy. No, I mean, people do this prophecy all the fucking time. I mean, you know, Tupac would say, I'm not, Mama, I'm sorry. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to live very long. And he, you know, he was killed in 98 or whatever year. Uh, Was it 96? 96. 96. Okay. Thank you. West Coast Noah correcting me. I told you, I I stood 10 feet from Tupac less than a week before he died. And the police never questioned me. That was in the studio when you guys were laying down. uh, Yeah, that's exactly. I I taught Tupac everything he knows, basically. (laughs) I don't love the the music. I I get it better than I did. For whatever reason, it kind of shook me into a, this acknowledgement of, of of hearing it better than I did the first time I heard it when it did make an impression. I mean, it's hard not to hear this stuff as a as a last will and testament. That's that's the thing. Especially, yeah. it's not just someone who's thirty one and dies in a car accident. This kid was twenty one and he died of a you know it, it was a completely wholly preventable misadventure. And like you alluded to, it, it, you know, was it racism? I mean, literally, was it the racism that killed this guy? because it was I just I I can't believe that if it had been a plane full of white music stars partying yeah if it was if it was panic at the disco believe that I don't know I mean if it were a bunch of frat boys coming home from a party you know drinking beer and and causing probably more noise and ruckus than uh juice world's entourage was causing I don't know I just I can't help reading into that I could be wrong. I wasn't there. So, I mean, I listened to All Girls Are the Same. I listened to Lucid Dreams. Lucid Dreams, I think, was his big 
Well, at least yeah, that was a breakthrough. One one point yeah. one billion plays on Spotify. I know it's crazy. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, a bunch of other songs, and I I thought for me the the problem I could I could restate this every time we talk about this because we've covered a bunch of trap acts or at least trap adjacent acts. Trap goes right past me. It's it's thin. I don't think there's a lot of depth to it. That doesn't mean you can't do good things with it. It's just beyond my ability to kind of lock into my my own version of hip hop is is more robust, kind of like the Wu Tang. Like I said, he was ex- exhibiting his demons. He was trying to exercise them they, they don't sound like boasting is the thing even no, though he's not talking, at all he's talking about killing his body and how he's fated to die young it, it, almost in the exact fashion that he he did die he sounds like he was depressed that's it that's it exactly it's I mean, like i mean like literally medically depressed oh yeah totally yeah well i mean yeah. from a young age the guy he took up drinking lean when he was like in sixth grade he was 12 years old and he started he started self-medicating or maybe the worst thing sometimes that could happen to you is you get famous and rich you know it gets out of control who the fuck knows what his i mean he was still in his first act what would his second act have been like and what would his third act have been like i'm a lot of where you are on this you know use the term i don't have the apparatus to judge this i mean whatever it's popular music yeah i know very little about hip-hop and its modern intricacies but popular music by definition i feel like everyone's non-offensive opinion matters yeah it's you know i like the sense of interest introspective i can't say that word introspection um People talk about how it has a heavy, more than most hip-hop, pop music, rock music influence. I didn't hear that quite as much as I wanted to. He did some uh, collaborations with more pop-adjacent people. There's a song I like in his new album that he collaborated with Halsey, who I think is a very lovely singer. Giving it a few listens, I did kind of feel like it had more of a pop structure, even though it didn't have so much of a rock sound to it. He did another one, which song was it, with Marshmallow, Come and Go. That's Mm. another new song, one of the in the top 10 right now. And Marshmallow, I guess, is some kind of producer. And he really gave it an emo rock vibe, but it felt kind of bolted on. It didn't feel very organic. That didn't work for me as the rock influence. It felt like, hey, let's combine a rock rock and a hip-hop song. So that didn't really work for me. If you really dig into his lyrics, the introspection's nice. The vulnerability is nice. Wishing Well, another one of the new songs. This is the part where I tell you I'm fine, but I'm lying. I just don't want you to worry. This is the part where I take all my feelings and hide them because I don't want nobody to hurt me. I don't have enough of a knowledge of modern hip-hop lyrics to say this is stuff is rare in hip-hop, but I'm certainly not seeing it. I can only think back to some of the hip-hop artists we looked at. Takeshi, who was all about the, look at me, I got the bitches and the money and the guns and the cars. This is a refreshing alternative to that. Uh, I think about people like Kanye, who creatively nuts, doesn't seem as introspective or even as uh, certainly not as relatable as that. I mean, he kind of reminds me of Drake, just the kind of soulful voice, this kind of hybrid of hip-hop and what I would think is more classic, very non-hip-hop R&B, you know, extremely black in a lot of different ways, if that makes sense. Yeah, sure. Juice World seemed to affect the hip-hop style more. Everything from his name being Juice World to being covered in tattoos and smoking pot all the time and being addicted to lean and all that. If only image-wise, he seems to be bridging a gap. I also find that while I like his voice and find it soulful, um... It, it seems a little flat to me. He's doing the same thing over and over and over again. Uh, one song from uh, his his second album, Righteous, I liked because he seemed to be his voice seemed to be showing a little more variation, a little more passion at certain points. Uh, this guy's got two thousand songs in the tank. I don't see him releasing hit albums years upon years upon years upon years now because. I feel like he needs to evolve a bit if he's going to stay popular. And obviously he can't evolve because he's dead. Drugs got me sweating, but the room getting colder. Looking at the devil and the angel on my 
shoulder Will I die tonight? Oh no, is it over? Looking for my next high, I'm looking for closure Noah, tell me something. Why in this moment is Juice World, or Mr. World as the New York Times refers to him on second reference, why is it popular? Did they really? I no, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm making a joke. What was, what was, uh, the, there's some story that the Times or someone once referred to Meatloaf as Mr. Loaf. Mr. Loaf. That sounds like it could work, yeah. Well, there's one thing we didn't talk about is, is uh, there are a lot of dead rappers on the charts right now. Like this same month, a guy named Pop Smoke released an album. Yeah. And I guess these two albums are fighting for dominance on the charts and Pop Smoke's dead too. When did he die? Uh, I think it was late last year or maybe it was earlier. No, it was early this year. Yeah. All right. And, ten, ten, and then while ten, we're at it. XXX, uh, Tentacion, well, too. Yeah, those guys died in uh, XXX, Tassion, and Lil Peep uh, all died in recent years. XX, I'm, I have this here. XXX, God, that's a terrible name. It's weird. Died in 2018. Lil Peep died in 17. And Juice actually rapped uh, on the song Legends, What's the 27 Club? We ain't making it past 21, which is pretty That's grim, man. Scary that is creepy. fucking grim. Yeah. yeah. Also, he apparently was a big fan of John Lennon and referenced him in many songs. And he died exactly, died on the anniversary of Lennon's death, 39 years. Wow. Uh, yeah, how about that? Maybe Rosemary's Baby had something to do with it. Um, <laughs> so lately, every topic we look at, we're saying, does it have any connection to the current state of the world, the pandemic? And I don't know, death is in the air. I mean, may, it, I can't think of how it could be anything but a coincidence, but I guess there's something poignant or eerie about the charts being dominated by dead people. Yeah. Or recently dead people. I mean, it's not eerie when John Lennon, David Bowie, or Freddie Mercury's got something up there, but people who just died. No, you'd have to go so, back to the early 70s yeah. when Jim Morrison and, and uh, Mama Cass and, and uh, Janis Joplin, you know, died, bing, 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 right after one after the other, you know, to, to find a prevalence. Mama Cass died people. then? I thought she died before that. Did he? All right, did she? I, I forget. Keep I going. Know. I'll look it, I'm going to look it up. No, I just... I just I, I she wonder. died in 1974, okay. so I was way off. Okay, yeah. still. So Ellen we'll, Naomi Cohen yeah. was her real name. Yeah. Typical Jewish name, Mama Cass. Yeah, exactly. So, but why is it popular? No, what's the moment? How do you describe the moment in America? Uh, right now? You know, I don't know. Well, actually, one interesting thing I saw about him is, you know, he's part of the SoundCloud rap firmament. You know, I think of like Future was his idol growing up. Future, a guy I didn't hear of till like 2010, was this idol growing up. You know, those guys were kind of like intelligent hip hop, for lack of a better term. And these guys noodling in their bedrooms and, and being launched from there. And Juice World, I believe, I could be wrong, was the first of that type of music to really like dominate the charts in the way people like Kanye or Drake have. I guess the SoundCloud rap was someone had to break out and take over eventually. And maybe he was right place, right time. Maybe the savviness of working with people like Halsey and Marshmello and Future and the introspection. I mean, you know, you can imagine a lot of teenagers, this stuff speaks to them. Yes, a lot of kids, a lot of not black kids like people like Takeshi because he's dangerous and scary and cool and I'm pissing off my parents. The the pleasures of that stuff is fleeting. You weren't this way because you had no soul as a teenager, but most teenagers latch onto some kind of music because it speaks to us. Yeah. It says what I could only it's the music, what I'm feeling. It's the music inside. of rebellion, yeah. Right. Or no, not the music of rebellion, the music of my heart. The music of what I'm thinking. The music of you know, it, it's saying what I can't put into words, these new feelings I have as I'm trying to find my place in the world. From my viewpoint, Juice World's music gets at that in a much more universal and deeper way than most hip hop artists. So there are a lot of reasons. I mean, he, he it's it's affecting good music 
of a type that was primed for a breakout. And then, yeah, there's, you know, posthumous. I mean, it adds poignancy to it. It makes it, it fuels that stuff only more. He, he, would, he would be up on the charts if he was alive. I mean, make no mistake about this. this well, yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. I just, second, I'm hitting number right, one. Right, I just sure. want to make sure we're, we're not saying that yeah. the guy's getting a milksop from everybody because no, he's but dead. He's, he's you in know, the, yeah. you, you did the same thing in your airplane podcast. You misused the word milksop. That's not what milksop means. All right, here we go. You're thinking sop. Sop means you give someone, throw them a bone, as it were. A milk sop is a wimp. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for correcting it me. It annoyed. I was listening to your podcast with uh, James Hancock. Yes. And it annoyed me. And I thought about texting you and saying, you got the word milk sop wrong. I know. I will, uh, not, uh, I will no, not stand you, for that in my podcast. You'll just make sure you put it on the air so everyone knows the pedantry up front. Yes, that my pedantry and your idiocy. Everything else anyway. that went right was 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 not mentioned. The one no, thing that I misused is what gets not highlighted. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, I had to interrupt. Uh, no, I, I think I, I I would agree with everything. I I was telling my wife earlier today. She asked me, "What's your topic?" And I said, "Well, I uh, should I even bother telling you because you're not going to understand any of the words coming out of my mouth, beginning with Juice World." She's like. Is that a video juice game? World. Is that like a Candy Crush it or does. something? Oh, it does. That would be great. You're like juicing fruits. You're in a world of nothing but fruit. And you have yeah. to fight the evil fruits and find that. That's oh, Get to it, man. The evil fruits. That's another punk band. It's a garage band from 72 with the evil fruits. I'm sure you have yeah. their first couple of albums, too. Um, I think he was a Byronic, like tortured wow. figure he was like diso- ro- romance romantic with a capital r if you want to go back to that kind of thing even though you know we've smudged all of our classical references he was handsome with with very soft features he had a mop of medium length dreads is that what that is no is, is that what you call that kind of hair i i, I don't want to mischaracterize I, I don't know i i i don't know okay i, I once mislabeled dreadlocks I don't, yeah I don't know. yeah i, I feel like I'm, I'm probably braids. doing that Braids, it could be braids, yeah. something. Either way, he didn't strike me as being really like, you know, hard and jacked. But at the same time, he was talking about difficult things. And, and it looked like he was being pretty nakedly emotional, which is why I, I do incur Lord Byron here. The music is au courant in that it's it, it's the trap um, trappings, I guess you can say. Trap trappings. Trap trappings, uh, which is the name of a weatherman uh, in the New York area. And the <laughs> trap trappings. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, you know, I wonder like, if a young kid would get that joke. That's probably think so. an 80s I don't thing. think so. Uh, and here's weather with trap trappings. Trap trappings. <laughs> so like the the sound of what he's he's using the rapper uh, of trap to um, to tell you the story of what's going on inside of his heart. I don't think anybody would mischaracterize the content of what he's saying. I, I really do the impression I'm getting just from the comments. The way this guy was embraced is because people listened to what he said. It wasn't just this idea of the sound and the mood. It was quite literally the words. It was the torture that people latched onto. And yeah, like mm. you, I, I, I'm not sure I'm seeing a ton of that. I mean, I know it's out there uh, and our, our little you know viewfinder is probably very narrow and small. We're, he was all about what he was about. I mean, if you were 21, if you were 16 if you were into hip-hop i think he's singing exactly to you i was going to mention this up front but this is a great place to say this is that he was exercising his demons talking about his torture this is the irony of it he makes the lean and the dissolute nihilistic self-destructive lifestyle there is something sexy to it it's it's almost oh my like, god right you of course there is you can't but that's always been you know poet it's byronic it's yeah yeah right oh, the right. doomed artist kind of thing and no matter how soberly you treat it there is still this sexiness this allure to like thinking oh man this guy there's there's this you know doomed poet thing guys revered him and women probably 
probably loved him too because it, it was appealing. It was attractive. It looked like he was present and feeling. That's all of the ingredients. Those are hooks. I mean, his music was hooky, but I'm saying those are literal hooks to, to right. you know, to, to corner a moment to get to get you. He had all of those things. I Bill, if you were a young man now, even though we've established on earlier episodes of the show that you had no soul yes. and that yes. heartfelt music did not speak to you at all, That's and true. whereas most teenagers you know, find poignance in music, you found it in G.I. Joe comic books, uh, <laughs> nonetheless, somehow would you have found something to enjoy or latch onto in the music of Juice World if it had existed in your young years, but you were never actually young. No, I can say no one, maybe no one has ever seen me the way you see through to me. Thank but, you. I'm, I'm proud of that. <laughs> but no, I actually, no, I, I would not have liked this as a kid, first of all. It, it takes all of my, like, adult forbearance and tolerance of other types of music that I have now, where I could separate myself of listening to music I don't want to hear. Like, uh, the whole trap thing, now it's not something I like, but I could I could do for the, like, for the purposes of this podcast or it's just sampling in general i can listen to it and understand oh this isn't my favorite type of music but i could at least get what he's trying to say as a kid i wouldn't have had an you know i you know who has that kind of ability who has i mean some kids have that sort of breadth maybe maybe you did you know i i i think i just would have dismissed it out of hand for that because i didn't have that same ability to do so oh and yes you know i'm, I'm glad that you brought up the fact that as a kid i did not um, punch into art. I did not latch on to art that spoke to the torment of the soul and the sort of passage from youth to young adulthood to adulthood, etc. Whatever that traversed journey is, I never gravitated that to a lot of art that had that. And so in addition to music that sounds like something I don't, you know, I'm not buying into the um, form, the message would have sailed right past me, and I would have thought, this this isn't interesting. This is really internal. Yeah, I'm probably the same in that, you know, the trappings uh, I don't think would have appealed to me because I didn't like what hip-hop existed when I was a teenager then. I was totally a rock snob. But again, if I had been born in a different era, of an era of Drake's and people and Kanye's and people like that, mm -hmm. I might have been more amenable to that if I were a kid now. Uh, but yeah, if I had peeled beneath the surface of this, I would have found something to relate to because a lot of this kind of language, a lot of these kind of sentiments really hit me hard when they were being sung by white guys with guitars. Uh, so I like to think I would have given this a chance. And if I think I had, I would have liked it. But I don't know. I'd be an awfully different person if, if Juice World had become my favorite musician. <laughs> I, but, you know, who's saying I wouldn't have? I don't know. And and definitely the dead thing would have would have... I, I, it actually would have added appeal for me because the poignance of that, right? Yeah, right. Like, I think that's very powerful. Do you know who Douglas Hopkins was? Who is that? All right. He was the guitarist for the Gin Blossoms. He wrote Hey Jealousy. Okay. And sure. somebody, Brad Pitt or someone owns the rights to his life. Someone should make a movie about this guy's life. Anyway, Hey Jealousy was very autobiographical. It's a very sad song. I'm desperate. Please take me back. I have a drug problem. Hopkins was kicked out of the band after they recorded Hey Jealousy. Then the song finally took off. And when it was at the top of the charts, he committed suicide. Wow. And now I love that song. But I, a lot of it is because knowing how powerful the story is. That goes a long way for me. And I can imagine going, yeah, Juice World's okay. Like, wow, he died and racism and 
a sad story and he had just turned 21 and he predicted it and it was the anniversary of John Lennon's death. All that shit will combine to make Juice World's lyrics hit me much harder. I admit it, another hole got me finished. Broke my heart, oh no you didn't. Fuck sipping, I'm a down a whole bottle. No, tell me about the apocalypse and whether or not Juice World is a sign of it. No, and I'm tempted to say the opposite because I don't remember what I said about Takeshi, but I just feel like I do remember saying like, oh, we're still doing this crap. Like that hip hop's all about, yeah, the money and the hoes and all that nonsense that I, I hate for so many reasons. But one of them is it's just such a cliche. Yeah. You know, hip hop's got to evolve into a more, I don't say a more intelligent place because even the shitty stuff like has, I don't think it's fair to say it's not intelligent, but certainly to a more introspective place. So if this is the way that like bedroom rap is moving, then that's got to be good. There's a stereotype that uh, African-Americans are more, less, more afraid of, you know, getting uh, help with therapy and introspection and things like that. I don't think that's entirely true, but it's it's not true, but it's the stereotype. It's a saw. And yeah. May, yeah. And maybe he's striking a blow against that. Yeah, you're right. The idea of an artist his with the image of the artist or at least a partial image of the artist being i'm confused i'm damaged uh, i i'm vulnerable and i'm telling you that i don't feel potent i don't feel completely strong i feel like i'm the victim of these forces that i can't control as opposed to i'm the master of these forces you know i could spend my way out of it we don't tend to see a lot i mean we don't tend to see a lot of that in in, in not just hip-hop but i mean there's a lot of art that that's not the prevailing image the fact that I'm, yes, I'm, at, I'm at the bottom of a whirlpool rather than at sailing off the top of it. I, I don't I don't think that Juice World is a sign of the apocalypse. I mean, it's a personal apocalypse. And I mean, the, <laughs> yes. the, the prophecy yes. of it, I mean, it, it, you know, we could sit here and again, talk about all the young black men who were dead over the last few years from various instances and, you know, all tra- tragedies and whether they were murders like, like uh, uh, Pop Smoke. What's the coincidence? What's the link in the fact that these guys all were in hip hop, but then a bunch of them died is a trend. I mean, that's... It's kind of maddening, and it's and it's it's tragedy. But the overall thing, the music itself, the phenomenon, it's I mean, it's not a sign of the apocalypse. If so, dying young and leaving an attractive corpse—that's that's a hoary old idea. We've had that for a long time, and our culture gets socked with a a, a, a James Dean every. 25 years or so where you don't expect it so the thing is that this this is it's its own tradition in some way no one wants to be the guy who's upholding it but it happens it happens a lot you know there is the young person who flames out bill is there any aspect of juice world that you're jealous of his success his story I assume you're not, you know, someday I want to die on a on an airplane tarmac having right. ingested an excess amount of oxycodone. Oh, I got to go. Yeah, I mean, I am jealous of the fact that he was so he was he was appealing. I mean, I, I don't think anyone could argue with. I mean, obviously, some someone could argue with that. But I'm, I'm putting out this postulate that he, he was appealing. I think he was an attractive person, both physically and, and emotionally. And that he almost engendered very little, but but you know, positivity from people. He, I think, he, it was a he made people think positive things. People liked his music. They enjoyed him. They wanted to hear more of him. They they were appreciative of success. I mean, when you are laying so much of this shit out, this to the bone stuff, 
I think that you are showing your ass, as they would say in the old improv classes that I took in New York City. You know, like this is, it's a sign of vulnerability. And I mean, it's hard not to get on somebody's side when they're, you know, opening a vein and, and letting you see exactly what's pumping through it. So I know I don't, I don't want anything to do with lean. I don't want anything to do with uh, oxycodone. I don't want anything to do with any of that stuff. But the, the fact that he was so... It looked like he was camera ready. He was so appealing. So he looked the part of a rock star. You know, I mean, he was there. He was he was doing the job. I think he sort of grew into it. You know, there was always a part of me like, you know, I am a deep soul. Why don't people realize that? And, you know, oh, he's so deep. He's so affecting. He's a poet. You know, there are times I wanted people to hear the song of my heart. I don't know. Maybe I haven't hit it hard enough. I don't think he really plumbed the depths as much as maybe he could have. Like, I think he kind of skimmed the surface. It's not as affecting as I think. I don't know what my point is. He's also like, 20. He got, he's 21, you know? Yeah, he, he got he, at that, yeah. but he didn't, you know, he's not a poet for the ages. You know what I mean? Not yet, no. Um, so he's not going to become, you know? I mean, that's the sad thing. Maybe when he was, maybe if he had lived and by the time he was 24, 25, he would have evolved into that. You know, definitely the potential was there, but nope. If he had been so incisive that, he is a poet for the ages. I might have said, well, like, what a story to be told. Like, he's like, you know, he's like Buddy Holly. I don't know if Buddy Holly's a good example, but someone who I think died young, but whose who's legacy, like, I still find powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, Buddy Holly was 22, by the way. It's crazy. It's the wrong way of saying it, but, like, it wasn't worth it to die that young. Yeah. His, out, his, his, his work wasn't so poetic that, like, it's worth it to die young. Of course, it wasn't worth it to die young. Uh, so I don't know. I'm not jealous. I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want his story at all on any level. That's you know? fair too. I yeah. Mean, maybe if he were still alive, but this was just Act One. Sure. Our final segment is the Fallonian scale, the X Y Z axis of all things terrible, with Jimmy Fallon as the zero base. Where would you put Juice World on said scale? I don't know. He's pretty high up. You know. I mean, he doesn't floor me the way. The, our favorite things talked about so he's he's like top i've never really understood the concept of percentile i have a little trouble wrapping my mind around that uh-huh. it's my milk sop so whatever the percent i i, I sort of want to say but i don't know how to say it accurately so he's like the top of the bottom two thirds how okay. about that yeah yeah sure. or the bottom of the top third yeah right i Does get that, that. i get it yeah okay all right I you, you a couple of weeks ago I forget what it was you brought up Fiona Apple and that made me think this made me think of Fiona yeah, Apple yeah similar yeah you know obviously a completely different walk of life I, strictly in terms of here's an artist who you know has made all this art that I can look at and I could judge on its own merits even though I don't like the sound and I don't really plug into the the meaning um you know, I, I can't listen. I, w- I can't listen to Juice World again. I'm not going to. I'm saying I, I, I did. I gave it a sample. I have a bunch of it, but I'm not going to go back to it the same way. I'm not going to go back to Fiona Apple's album. But I could also understand the quality. I could say this. This is something that's good. This guy is at the top of his form do- doing what he's doing. He does it very well. It's just not the thing that I, I like listening to. And that's exactly the feeling I had with Fiona Apple. You know, that's this thing I'm talking about at this age now where I could say I can recognize a good thing even if I don't like it, uh, which, you know, one of the blights of our society is that people don't do that. People think it's bad. <laughs> exactly. If, it's bad if yeah. I don't like it. It's fucking well, bad. Well, we've been trained to think that, you know, your opinion is the law. Yes. Yeah. This is our problem. 
Fucking assholes. Jesus. All right. Well, I think yeah. that uh, uh, I think that brings us to <laughs> the end with that. That brings us to the end of it. Ten with the fucking assholes. So, that's that's how we're going to end every episode. Now. <laughs> fucking assholes. If you'd like to find all the other episodes by finished slurring and cursing at the very last uh, segment, <laughs> look on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. Tweet to us at Noah and Bill Show. Write to us Noah and Bill Don't Get It at gmail.com. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts. I am on Twitter at William Scurry. My video content is on YouTube, youtube.com slash amcaesar. And now Noah will fill you on in everything pertinent. Uh, the Big Quiz Thing, bigquizthing.com, America's premier provider of corporate and private live trivia game show events. These days, of course, virtual events. We have mastered the virtual trivia format. Um uh, and uh, get a free consultation today. We do corporate events, team building, private parties, weddings, bar and bat mitzvahs, birthday parties. We've done all of those in the virtual sphere, which is kind of amazing. And uh, we're also doing quite a few fundraisers. Now is the time. Uh, So learn about how you can use us to help support your cause, which hopefully will also be our causes. We're we're trying to stick with that these days. So bigquizzing.com, learn all about it. Thank you. So until such a time as when Noah's blazing hip-hop career under the name of Strawberry Quick World and my hip-hop career under the name Single Malt World takes off, we don't get it. A production of American Caesar Enterprises 2020.